You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is Pancakes and Bacon with VFL, Tyler Kerbison, and Reed Bacon. Welcome in, Vol Nation. Let's go. 1-0. It feels good. It feels good. Before I get too excited, welcome in to a, a, the, the first season breakdown for Pancakes and Bacon. Um, we, we don't have our pancake. Our, our pancake is is overseas. He's enjoying a little vacation time uh, with his wife. Uh, I'm very, very happy for him. I obviously miss the big fella, but today we're going lean and mean. It's all protein, baby. It's all bacon. Let's get it. I do think Kyler did share, uh, we talked briefly, he did share a little bit of a video that I think um, my great strawberry blonde, uh, sexy man, Jack Foster will put in at the end. He's, shout out to Jack, he's on here right now helping me get all this stuff set up because I sure I sure don't know how to, to do all the um, IT type stuff. But anyway, so um, before we get too far into it, thank you for listening, uh, rate, uh, review, subscribe, unsubscribe. Please leave comments. I am going to ask questions today uh, that I won't get answers to yet, but hopefully you all will respond in the comments and um, and uh, interact with us. But yeah, follow us on all socials. Uh, you guys know where we are, Twitter, Instagram, um, obviously YouTube, uh, and shout out to Rocky Top Insider as, as always. So uh, what I want to get into um, first is so I kind of have my notes like I usually do. Uh, we're going to start with some overview. Um, a, a quick overview is it feels good. It feels really good. I am not going to allow myself to take these for granted. Um, and that's partly because what we've been through as Tennessee fans for the past 10 years. Um, but that's also just knowing how much work it takes to go in to, to games. And it really is a week by week season. And it feels unbelievable. And one of my first questions is, I don't know how you all feel, um, but in that time, during that game, I never, ever, 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 ever remotely felt like that we had a chance of even ever losing that game. I mean, it was 7-0 to zero for a long time, and Virginia was kind of hanging around, and it was close to halftime, and it's, you know, 14-0 you know, or whatever it was, or 14-3. It's just like I never once felt like Tennessee was not in control of the game, even with the, some miscues and even the scoreboard not reflecting that. So that, that's one thing I'm curious to see if you all ever felt, because I didn't. And that's a shout-out to where this program is right now uh, very quickly after two years with Coach Heupel. And I'm not going to take that for granted. Um, like I said, we weren't playing Austin P. We played them upcoming. This was this was a, a Power 5 ACC program. And shout-out to Virginia. I know they've been through it uh, last year with that – horrific tragedy. So shout out to them for being back out there. But I mean, it's still an ACC school that um, was was really handled from start to finish. I think one of my favorite things that I saw is after the game had been going through a first quarter and they showed the rushing yards. And I think Virginia had minus like six rushing yards. And I looked at my dad and laughed. I said, is that is that good? Is that what you want? Um, so so I, I, I loved how the team looked. I thought they were flying around super, super well. Um, getting after it. It was a lot of what I mentioned on that last pod of what I wanted to see, energy efforts. Like I said, there were some miscues. I said we might have an overthrow on third down. Uh, and Joe overshot Ramel on one, and, and that's okay. So 
but it was nothing. Um, it was nothing catastrophic. We did have one turnover that that D Williams had uh, on the punt return. We got we got lucky where where there could have been at least two picks that Joe should have thrown, but uh, Virginia didn't make the plays. But overall, I thought it was awesome. They ran the ball even better than I expected, which is what I love to see. Um, shout out to as uh, me being a Tennessee Titans fan, I love. Love seeing that new turf. I thought it looked great. It sounded like it uh, it felt great from, from what the, the announcers and what some of the players have given the feedback on. And so, like I said, as seeing Nissan Stadium's grass for those past, for past multiple years, it's great to see that. And I'm hoping it uh, helps out with my Titans on the injury front. But uh, anyways, so I'm going to kind of dive in like Kyler and I always do. Uh, we're going to go into, you know, offense and defense. I'm going to stick offense first, and then I'll jump over to defense just kind of to, to help me. Um, and I really want to – I always want to go and give you all something maybe that, that you didn't see when you were watching the game or you wouldn't catch unless you were going back and watching it. And I think that is what makes Kyler and I a little bit different because we can give those uh, little pointers. And so I don't – I'm going to try not to say, say the obvious and show you some little stuff. It cracked me up. I mean, it was first play of the game, and it's the little nuances with Coach Hype. It's the little things that make the big difference. And so, I mean, it's first play of the game, and you got Jacob Warren outside. He's the third receiver, so what that means is he's, you know, you got one, two, and then three. So Jacob's kind of the closest receiver into the line of scrimmage, and they have a safety over top of him. Well, Jacob comes in and just motions back to the H-back, in Virginia and most defenses, uh, well, let me say that. Let me not say most defenses because I do forget from last year. Uh, but Virginia leaves the safety back. He does not come down to the box where Jacob comes in. So that little move right there gives Tennessee the numbers edge in the box. And I've said on the podcast, and Kyler has too, Coach Heupel, he'll tell you what he's going to do a lot of the time. If you sit and watch games – and you count, hey, there's five in the box, it's pretty much going to be a run. Um, if it's six in the box or seven in the box, he's probably going to pass it. He really does just take kind of what the defense gives him. Uh, he does keep them on their heels. But I just thought that little stuff where you got five offensive linemen, you got, um, I guess, Virginia had four down linemen, two linebackers, so it's 5v6. He brings Jacob in. Now it's 6v6. You know, now, the, as Kyler always says, the running backs are usually supposed to make one miss. Now he doesn't have to make really anyone miss. And because Virginia did not bring that safety down in the box because they are so scared of getting beat over top. So I just thought it was really funny that the first play of the season, and we're already seeing just a nice little, just the smallest of baby wrinkles, but that makes all the difference in the world from Coach Hype. So, so I love seeing that. Um, third play call of the day, and I'm going to tweet it out. I saw it. Um, Ollie Lane and John Cooper both working up to the second level beautifully and getting a double cake. They got a little double cake, uh, you know, a little short stack of pancakes. They both bodied their offensive line uh, or their, uh, excuse me, they both bodied the linebackers that they had worked up to. Um, second and eight, Motion Dillon, uh, both backs go four on, f on f four on six. It cracked me up. Now, obviously, one of the backs was supposed to stay, but it just shows how these defenses are thinking when they see a quick motion, when they see these different things, they are so like, Oh my gosh, we got to get out there. It's one of these, you know, swing routes to the, to the running back. That's going to basically turn into a screen because the two outside receivers are blocking. And it just cracked me up because that motion, even if 
even if one of the linebackers doesn't go and stay, it's still 5v6. So we're back to that numbers game of where Heupel is going to do those little pieces to, to get a numbers game of where then he can run Joe as for a quarterback run. And um, it's just funny to see UVA actually ended up making a good play on that. They had a D lineman that was – their D line actually wasn't bad, which um, they had some big boys, some athletic guys, but, but Tennessee just – pushed them around all game, but it was just so funny to see that. Um, I want to talk about, I want to talk about the, the, the first touchdown. Um, a, a, everyone saw Joe had plenty of time. He stood in the pocket, real confident. You love to see it. Jesse Palmer talked about it. He worked his progression. He checks number one, he checks number two, and he goes to number three. And the funny thing is that play was so, so simple. It is a play that probably every high school Every NFL and every college team has. You're going to bring two slants in, and you're bringing the uh, running back out uh, for for kind of like your safety net, kind of your check down. I thought the key to that was I thought Dylan Sampson did a really good job of, of staying flat but also bending a little bit towards the end. But my favorite part about the entire play, besides Joe reading his progression, was the ball placement. The ball placement is so important when you're doing – when you're doing a screen, when when you let me say this, when you're throwing in general, ball placement is so important. It can be the difference between a bat, batted ball and a completion, a batted ball and an interception, whatever the case may be. But when you were doing these screen routes or these quick throws, anytime I was around anybody and watching that offensive coordinator, that QB coach is saying, hey, you're catching it and throwing it. You're not grabbing laces. You're not doing any of that. You're getting it out there as fast as you can to try to get it out so that get the ball in the playmaker's hands, let them start making moves. But then I was – I remember listening to an offensive coordinator uh, that I had one year and how he was talking about ball placement. And then I, it was so funny. I was watching a clip. Um, I think it was a clip or it was an interview or it was even just the um, Hard Knocks episode. And they were talking about this, how special Aaron Rodgers is. And it was talking about, hey, instead of just getting it out quick and a receiver catching it here – the receiver's getting the ball here, and it's turning him already upfield. And it was a beautiful thing to see showing Aaron Rodgers throw that to Garrett Wilson. And I was like, dude, that is so true. I forgot about that. It gives It's all those little small things. And so what I loved most on that play was this placement of the throw that Joe made. Now, did he do it on purpose? I don't know. I mean, it was a great ball, but Dylan's working his way out. And instead of having to stay and catch it or turn his body and catch it, he literally caught it here. And we all know how fast Dylan Sampson is. By the time he catches it, if his momentum's taking him forward and that pass is taking him forward, that secondary or that defensive uh, linebacker or secondary player, whoever it is going to be, they're not going to have a chance. He's going to make a miss 1v1. He didn't even have to make a miss because the throw was so good that it led Dylan Sampson right into the end zone. So it's little things like that that make the world a difference. And I was trying to notice it as well when I went back and kind of rewatched the film and um, – a lot of the times Joe was getting it here, maybe right here for him instead of here. That's okay uh, on some of it because a lot of those that he was getting to Jalen or Jabari or Squirrel or Dante, he, he does get it out there so quick. That's when that rocket arm kind of comes into play, which is nice. He can get it out there so quick that those guys can get up. But, but keep an eye on that stuff moving forward in these bigger games, and we'll see where his ball placement is and if it's taking his receivers where they want to go compared to making them having to stop or whatever the case may be. Um 
bear with me as I as I turn the notes. You guys know how I am. I don't have Kyler to to talk while I look at my notes and stuff like that. Um, the next offensive possession, fourth and one call. We all know Heupel is very confident. Uh, we know he has balls the size of Neyland Stadium, and we love that. It's funny because this coaching staff has really changed how I look at, at, at sports or football in general. I mean, before Tim Banks got here, I was more of a, hey, let's play zone, let's bend but don't break, let's let the other team make the mistake. They're like, hell no, we're coming after you, we're going to make you beat us, and and now I've come to love that. Heupel is, hey, we're going we're gonna to go out and win the game. We're not going to wait for you know for you all to take it and us lose the game. So I'm fine with where he went for it. I'm also fine with where he went for it because he knows he trusts his defense. He trusts his offensive line. He trusts his running backs to get the to first down. But like I said, if we don't get it, he trusts the defense, and he knows he has the better team on Saturday. He knew he had the better team. He knew if he went for it and didn't get it that it was not going to cost Tennessee to lose the game. I, I firmly believe that. Now, it might be the first time in two years that I've said I don't love a Josh Heupel play call. Um, they did the fake jet to Brew, and it looked like if he had handed it to Brew, Brew would have not only easily gotten the first down around the edge, it looked like he could have gotten a ton of yards. Because if you go back and watch the replay, it looks like the basically Virginia sold all out on the run play, and it worked out. But it looked like the, the, the defense end or the linebacker or the, the secondary player, whoever it was, was the last man on the line of scrimmage, was not paying attention to Brew coming around. He still had his eyes inside. And that's why I think if they had handed it, it would have worked. Having squirrel wide on the back on the on the backside <laughs> to block down might not be the smartest play. Now that linebacker number eighty-two or D, he's either a linebacker or defensive lineman was a really good player for for Virginia. I uh, I don't like that he's rocking eighty-two, but he was a good player. He flew around a lot, made a lot of good tackles. I think he had a sack or two. But really, if you go back and watch it. When Brew comes in motion, Squirrel White is literally supposed to down block. We love Squirrel. Squirrel's going to do a lot of great stuff. I don't know if you want him down blocking on down on the line of scrimmage against a linebacker, uh, a defense lineman, or even a even a safety or corner. You know, <laughs> when when Squirrel's you know 165, 75 pounds soaking wet. Um, anyways, I just thought that was funny. I can laugh at it now. Uh, I would not want to see that against a game of importance. I don't think you will. Um, but go back and see that. So anyways, I didn't love that call, especially as a play that we're going to talk about a little bit later, the muddle huddle, the Jalen Hurts, the Eagles uh, quarterback sneak. When we had Tyree West and Javante Spragans back there, I tweeted out, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm not joking. I'm not being, um, you know, hyperbole or whatever. That play should legitimately never be stopped. It's basically impossible to stop with the Eagles, and it should be darn near impossible to stop against Tennessee with how big Joe is with the push of the offensive line, having Javante and Tyree West back there. Um, maybe leave Javante in at, at guard. Don't bring in Jackson Lampley and have Tyree West and maybe big O Amari Thomas behind him, you know, cause you know, I would hate for, uh, for a guy to get a, you know, and no shot, no, no, uh, I'm not throwing any shade at Jackson Lampley. He's just not the starter. So it's like, leave our starters in there. Let some other big bodies come in and be the be the push. But you do that play on that first fourth and one or any fourth and one remaining or any fourth and goal, like I just don't see it ever, ever getting stopped. So it was cool to see that Heifel's, uh he's a genius, but he's not too good to say, hey, I'm going to continue learning and I'm going to take this from from the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, you know, moving forward, um, 
I was pretty impressed with with Joe's running. Uh, it still doesn't look as fluid or as natural as Hendon or as 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 other running quarterbacks have in years past. And I'm not just talking with Tennessee. I'm just talking about in football in general. But I thought it looked much, much better than what we saw two years ago. Um, I don't really remember him running a ton last year in those games that he played, but it just looked it looked more natural. And, and I was very happy to see that. I mean, the one that he took off and got probably 15, 20, 25 yards was a great was a great takeoff and get. But I think my favorite one of the day was probably where uh, he drops back. The Virginia gets in the backfield pretty quickly. If they get tackled, it's a four yard loss and he gets up field and gets a three yard gain. So you're like three yard gain. What is that? You know, he ran seven to get three. Uh, so we don't have, you know, we're not on, you know, instead of it was second and seven, it could have been, you know, second, 13, 14, you know, and you don't want to be behind the, the change in that. So that's always the stuff that Hendon Hooker did so well last year that I was nervous about with Joe. And it, it looked, it looked great. It was, it was good to see, you know, don't have negative plays and just kind of keep that, keep that offensive turn and keep it moving forward. So I was happy to see that. Um, you know, we want to talk about about some of the throws with Joe. Um, the Ramel pass, it was it it was perfect. It was absolutely perfect. And I don't think we see Ramel drop another pass like that all year. Um, uh, as a former receiver on a very small level, those are the hardest. You know, because you're just waiting on it, and it's like you got to think about it and you get to think about it for a minute. Uh, it's kind of like in basketball when you get the wide open layup; those are the hardest, or the putback layups. And so, I don't see Ramel happening that that happening again because I do think he has some of the you know best hands on the entire team. Um, but that was a great throw that all of Tennessee fans love to see. That like, hey, Joe put it in the bread basket. It doesn't get complete, and then you know Joe has uh, the the late. Well, that one wasn't laid across the middle to brew. That should have been picked. And, and the, the Virginia DB made a really good break on it and just dropped it. Those are the throws that we can't have in bigger games, um, in one possession games, two possession games, or maybe we're beating a team by 16 or 17 to 20, 21, and we let them back in. Um, you know, there was another one that Joe had that it looked like he just predetermined that he was going to uh, McChicken, McCastle, my guy, uh, on the little quick hitch route, and the Virginia linebacker jumped it, and it probably should have been a pick. So there, those are the two throws that kind of bothered me the most. I know he went deep again to Ramel, which was complete, and he underthrew it just to make sure that it was a completed pass. Uh, you know, it's a completed pass. I'm not going to complain about it. And it, it wasn't underthrown to where I don't think it kept Ramel from scoring. I think I don't think Ramel was going to score on that one anyways. Um, he did have the overshot on like the deep skinny post and he threw it on a rope and it was just out of the, the grasp of Ramel. Hey, that's going to happen. The one that looked pretty rough during the game was when he, he had the one, he was going to the right side on a hitch route and it looked like he, he dirted it and he skipped it. Well, he did dirt it and skip it. But when I went back, I can't tell for sure, but I went back and watched it multiple times. It looked like a defense lineman did get his hands on it, which would make sense unless, it just slipped out of Joe's hand. I don't see Joe throwing one into the dirt uh, on a hitch route. Uh, and then he had one high one uh, on the other side uh, to brew. It's okay. It was one possession, you know, a, a couple throws here and there. Um, I just didn't, you know, those I didn't mind as much as, like I said, the ones where he, he could have put us in danger with an interception. Uh, Jesse Palmer made a comment about the one that he threw to, Dante Thornton down the seam that he thought it was a little underthrown. 
I don't think that one was necessarily underthrown. I think it was late. And when we actually luckily got to see the back view of it, and when Dante got even with the defensive back, you know, if we're even, we're leaving as a receiver. And I wish that's when he would have just thrown it kind of over the top. You know, not a, not necessarily a pop pass, but but put some air on it and just let Dante run under it because you wait a little bit longer. A it gives the DB DB time to catch up, and B you lose space because we weren't in the red zone yet, but we were still 30, 35, 40 yard lines out. And so the longer you wait, the the, the quicker that that back yard line or that big back end zone lines coming. And so, um, like I said, I just thought Jesse was a little off there. I thought it was just a late, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't release it when he needed to, but any overall, um, I thought Joe played fine. Um, I want to see what he does against Austin P get his confidence up and then, you know, going into Florida and, um, what we saw from Nico, uh, in his very short time there, I was very, very impressed. And it was all because of one thing, how he moves in the pocket and how he keeps his eyes downfield is very impressive for a freshman. And it is, you know, you got these guys that come in and they are athletic out the world. They have all the traits. They're tall. They're big. They got cannon arms and all that stuff. And all that stuff looks great. But if you don't know how to step up in a pocket, keep your eyes downfield, look off a of safety, come back this way, like all those physical tools don't matter. Um, I think that was one thing that you saw at Texas last year with Quinn Ewers. And the fact that you see that already from Nico is special. And I don't worry about this quarterback position at all because I really hope Joe can take it and run with it. And we all do. We all do. We all want him to have a great year, not only for the team's success, but for him, his success as well, because it's it was awesome how he stayed and was such a good teammate last year. But if for whatever reason it doesn't work out, like, I mean, Nico's still a freshman, but in that very, very quick little bit of what I saw yesterday, I was very, very impressed uh, my, my good buddy, Jack Gillespie, uh, I was talking to him yesterday and it was funny. I thought it was pretty spot on. He says, you know who Nico looks like working the pocket and how he holds, you know, keeps the ball up high, works that pocket, gets in and out Bryce young, but on a much bigger scale. And I, and I was like, you know, I haven't thought about that. I, Jack, I said that <laughs> that's true. Like how he manipulates a pocket, how he can sling it. And we would all love to have, uh, have our own, um, bigger size Bryce Young. So anyways, um, a couple other things on offense, and then we'll, we'll jump to defense really quick. Um, I loved how the offensive line played. Uh, I thought they all played well. Um, I can go ahead and talk about it now, but it's kind of a more overarching theme. It is so darn impressive how many guys play. And it's just a kudos to the players to get themselves ready to play, and it's a kudos to this coaching staff to have multiple guys come in and play and be able to rotate and not drop a beat. I mean, legitimately offensive linemen, you know, uh, and it's really more on defense because growing up for me, you didn't see many people rotate. I mean, you saw D-line rotate, and that was about it. You'd see some receivers rotate, and you'd see running backs. This whole damn team rotates. I mean – like I said, we'll talk about it on defense. Really, the only people that I never really saw come off the off the field on defense was Kamal Haddon and Aaron Beasley. Everybody else was churning and burning, and they all played really well. But, you know, you go to offense, I thought Ollie Lane stepped in really nice at center. I thought when Dane Davis came in, I thought he played really nice at center, um, which is great for depth and great for those guys, I think. And this is one thing I want to ask Kyler when he's back, because like I said, growing up, 
you didn't see a ton of rotation and it was very much like I got to be a starter I want to be a starter that com- that that um, competitive you know being competitive uh, as athletes we want to start you know you you, you don't want to come off the bench I mean even if you get to play some it's that it hits different when you're a starter you you feel better when you're a starter but this coaching staff does a really good job and what I want to ask Kyler is is you know when when you can rotate a lot of guys that keeps the buy-in that much better let's be honest if we're in team meetings when we're at practice if we don't feel like there's really a chance we're going to get in on in, in, in unless someone gets injured your preparation probably is not where it needs to be as a 16 17 18 19 20 year old um hell it's hard for some professionals to do that if they don't if they don't take their job serious and treat it like a profession and so you know it would be easy for dane davis to be like hey i'm probably not going to get in until third or fourth quarter if this game's out of hand like no like you're gonna play and we need you to be ready you know um same thing with some of the receivers obviously the running backs you know you that's more normal for football but all those guys have to be ready but then mincy comes in um you know like i said dane davis ollie lane um i'm trying to think i mean you did see jackson lampley a little bit later i'm I'm, um you know tight ends jacob's in jacob's out McChicken's in, McChicken's out. I mean, they rotate those guys so well. Um, and I just feel like that that breeds a great culture because everybody, you know, all you know, all these players want each other to eat. And if you have guys like that, now there's probably some guys over there that are bummed they're not starting or might be a little annoyed or frustrated that they're not getting the PT. That's normal. That happens. But instead of having 11 on offense and 11 on defense that are locked in, if you've got 15, 16, 17 that is locked in on what's going on offense and the same thing on defense, all that does is breed competition and a great, great team culture, and everyone's rooting for each other, pushing forward. So so I thought that was awesome. Um, let me go through here, um, see if there's anything I haven't, uh, haven't mentioned on the offensive side. Kind of already talked about some of that with Joe. Um, I do want to shout out. So I got I got some some final notes here um, on the offensive ball, and 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 one thing about what I was saying there about those individuals that were rotating in, they're not rotating in when the game's 21-0, 28-0, 21-3. Like it's seven zero, it's fourteen three. I mean the game is still very much in hand. It's first quarter, it's second quarter, and you're seeing these guys on offense and defense come in. Um, I thought I thought I thought McChicken McCastle. He looked, he looked quick. I mean, Ty, uh, Kyler and I got to see him in practice, and he looked good. He looked he looked good yesterday speed-wise, athletic-wise. I mean, there's not many times that you're getting tight ends, catching screen routes, um, and so that's pretty cool to see. I thought him and Jacob both were outstanding on that H-back, kind of come in, that little baby motion, and then working their way up. I thought they did it well when they were working up in the hole and blocking. I thought all the linemen did a good job, whether it was Carrick, Mincy, um, Campbell, uh, Crawford, whoever was on the pool and working their way up, they cleared those holes so, so well. So great there. Brew McCoy, man. Brew McCoy. And I don't know if he was the semi-forgotten guy because we just know who he is. We know he's a really good player. Dante's new. He's a new toy. We're excited to see it. Squirrel's, you know, going to be a sophomore, so we're excited to see it. Um, Ramel, we all love Ramel, dog, great hands, but it's just like brew, man. The guy is so 
so, so good. He truly is a wide receiver that can do it all, legitimately can do everything. He can be a possession guy and go across the middle and use that body, catches it with his hands, takes hard licks, and it just doesn't affect him. I mean, the Virginia guy came in and blasted him, and he took the worst of it. Brew got right back up and let him know about it. I mean, just think about the Alabama game, one of the biggest catches in UT history, and he's going up and high-pointing the ball while he's getting blasted. He blocks well. You can get a screen route to him or a quick hitch. He's always going to make the first guy miss um, because he's just bigger and 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 stronger and plays physical. Um, the out-of-bounds catch that he had on that deep shot where he didn't get – I mean, that I was so impressed with that catch. That was – an absolutely fantastic catch, how he manipulated his body, catch it, and even though he was out of bounds, I just, I'm so impressed with him because he can truly do everything and he does it at a high level. Beat you deep, come across the middle, yards after catch, possession, home run hitter, good blocker. It's impressive. And tennis, we're, we're really lucky to have him. And I'll be the first to say I was worried about him when he was transferring in multiple transfer places. I'm like, I don't know about this guy. Is he a diva? What's the deal? He's been incredible ever since he's been here, whether it's as a teammate, a leader, and on the field. Um, let's see. The last thing I want to talk about on offense. If you're listening, sorry about that. I had to take a little, a little drink of the OJ here. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is another little nuance on offense, the speed option where John Campbell absolutely body bagged for the pancake of the week. Um, and I want to ask Kyler this too. I don't know if there's a better highlight for an offensive lineman. Truly. I, I, I think if I was an offensive lineman, I would probably rather have that where you drive a guy into the stands or, you know, through the water cooler more than I would have a, play action, eligible tackle, and you throw it to him for a touchdown. I mean, now maybe if it's a game winner, I'd rather have that, or you get a fumble and, like, pick it up and run it in for the win. I mean, I'd probably rather have that. But besides that, and we how realistic is that? Come on now. But besides that, there's no better highlight than being able to take a guy against his will and absolutely dump him 20 yards downfield. So, anyways, that play, though, Another small little nuance for Coach Heupel. You know, most time you'll see a speed option, and if I'm the quarterback, you'll have your quarterback, you'll have your running back right to the right of you. Hut, you take off, and you go to, and you start going to the right, and then you're working that blah 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 option. Or then you got a guy to your left, you're running it to the left option. The fact that Heupel just puts Dylan Sampson to the right, and he brings him in motion right before the snap. He comes right behind Joe as, and I put myself as a defender there. I'm thinking if I'm at safety. If I'm at linebacker and my key is the back, you know, and, and defensives all have different keys. Sometimes you're reading a guard. Sometimes you're reading the second receiver, the third receiver, whatever. But if you're watching that back and you see him start going, what are you thinking? Oh, my gosh, if I'm in man, I got to get out there. Or, um, oh, my gosh, is this going to be another quick out route or, um, you know, just, you know, check down? Or is it going to be another one of those um, out swing pass screens to, hey, Dylan's about to catch it and he's going to have two receivers blocking. You just react to that. And then all of a sudden when you see it and then the ball snap and you're like, what? You know, oh, the ball snapped, you know, pretty quick. And then it's, oh, it's our option. And who doesn't want to give Dylan Sampson two or three steps to get going? And it's just, it's just little nuances like that that I love that, you know, you got the defender's eyes 
already looking in one place. You get a speedster like Dylan Sampson already moving instead of, you know, snapping the ball and then he's going. Like, just little stuff like that is a thing of beauty. And it was a nice catch on his job. I thought I thought Milton did a really good job of holding the pitch man, pitching out, and then, you know, especially if he's pitching it to the left with his left hand. I mean, that's not easy for a right-handed quarterback. Um, but then Dylan Sampson, one-hand snag, runs in, jumps. I, you know, to finish offensively, all the running backs. This is not a shot taken. I know all you all love Jalen, and we got told that Jalen was head and heels, you know, head and shoulders above everyone else. Personally, watching that yesterday, I thought all three of them were great. I thought all three of them did a lot of good stuff. I did start thinking it was funny that poor, poor Jalen and uh, Jabari were putting in the yard, you know, putting in the yards, getting everybody down there, the hard runs, and then Dylan's getting to, you know, to get the get the tutties uh, and get the stats. So that's just kind of how how it breaks sometimes. But they all did awesome. Um, I mean, I think half of us watching and listening right now could have been that awesome with that offensive line. Touched. Jalen and Jabari weren't getting touched um, five, six, seven yards downfield, and then they'd make their guy miss or break a tackle or whatever the case might be. Very, very impressive uh, by that offensive line. All right, my friends, defense. And then uh, we'll do defense and a very, very quick Austin P breakdown, about 45 seconds on Austin P. Uh, defensively, it was exactly what I wanted to see, like I mentioned at the beginning of the pod. Swar- swarming, absolutely everyone eating, feasting. Like I said, when you know that you're better, you play more confident and you can play a little bit more free. Um, there was, I mean, maybe first or second possession on defense. And you see the hockey lineup change of our defensive line going out and the other defensive line coming in. It's special. I mean, that is unbelievable to see. Go back to we, – we, we're sorry for referencing it all the time when Kyle and I first went to spring practice. But that team I saw compared to the team that I saw fielded, you know, last year and this year, it's wild. It's wild to be able to have that many guys come in on a defensive line. I mean, we're – we're like 10 deep, easy. And it's old guys, it's young guys, it's uh, role players, it's whatever the case may be. And they all played it well. I mean, so, you know, defensively, you're starting out with Roman Harrison, uh, or excuse me, you got you got Roman Harrison, Big Amari Thomas, Karat Garland, and Dominic Bailey. That's, that's who your starters are out there on first and second down. Um, seems to me that that's more of a run stopping there. If you got Dominic Bailey on the outside, um, you know, playing in compared to a Tyler Barron or Joshua Joseph or James Pierce, who we're going to talk about, and those guys play the first two downs and then they leave. And then who do you have coming in? Roman, Omar, Norman, Lott, Tyler Barron, James Pierce. I mean, how unfair is that? How unfair is that that you get your run stuffers on first and second down and then you let those, then you let the, the 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 more athletic dogs come in and eat on passing downs. It was uh, that's unbelievable to see. But then later on in the game, you're seeing, you know, uh, Bryson Easton come in and, and, and play really well and set the set the line of scrimmage. Ty, uh, Tyree West coming in, which is really funny about Tyree West is because he played a lot last year. We didn't hear a ton about him in the offseason. and he shows right back up as a true sophomore and making plays again. Um, you know. Um, I'm, I'm, I want to make sure that I name all the de- defense alignment uh, that I saw come in. So I'm kind of going through the notes to make sure I don't miss anyone. Um, but like I said, so you got Omar Norman Lott, 
Amari Thomas, Karat Garland, Dominic Bailey, Roman Harrison, James Spears, Joshua Joseph, um, Tyree West, uh, Hobbs, and I, I forget, I should have checked if it was Devin Hobbs or Dalvin Hobbs. I, I loved him as a prospect because I was so blown away with how athletic he is. But a true freshman, a true freshman getting PT already on the defensive line, that's special. That is special too, and I, and I, and I love to see that. Um, so I just think – it's not even about the depth. I mean, it's great to keep those guys fresh, but it's it's like another. It's not even, hey, you're just coming in for depth and, you know, don't have much of a drop-off. It's like, no, we're letting these guys come in because they're better at, you know, rushing the passer or they're better at doing what they do. And so to be able to basically have two defensive lines, um, it's it's special. And that's what you really have to have in the SEC to, to win big and how we want to win here. Um you know, first play of the game, I crack up. You know, we, we bring the we bring the the star guy off the edge. Aaron Beasley's in man to man coverage. As a quarterback, you look over and you're like, okay, I got a linebacker, man to man coverage with a slot. They try to run a quick slant. It, everything was right. The, the quarterback made a good throw. He made the right decision. Aaron Beasley's just Aaron Beasley. He is so good at what he does. He's very fundamentally sound. He brings a pop. He's athletic enough. I mean, the guy is. He's, uh, he's awesome. He's really, really awesome, even with his uh, limited athletic traits, just natural athletic traits. I mean, there's a difference when you see a guy like him size-wise than a Keenan Peely or uh, a speed-wise of a guy like a, uh, Arian Carter or, um, you know, even like a James Pierce, who I know they're different positions, but just explaining the, the different in the athletic abilities. But, you know, for to see him in man-to-man coverage, he got that little veteran in him where he got a little hook on the on the on the hip and then went around and got the PBU. It's like what a way to start it off, man. Like the offense is going to where to the spot that they're supposed to go, and it didn't work. I mean, that's a, not a good feeling if you're a Virginia player or fan. Um, Kamal Haddon, great coverage. Um, I, I really, really, really loved Kamal uh, last year up until, and I think we all did for, for, for much of a time until that South Carolina game, and that was tough to see. I mean, you know, that's just who he is. He's going to he's gonna talk. He's going to be fired up. He, I love how emotional he is for his teammates. When you watch a game, if someone makes a play, five is usually always there, the first one, jumping up on them, hitting them on the helmet, celebrating with them, and you need guys like that. You have to have energy guys to, to bring that, and I love that. Now, it doesn't look good when you're getting your ass beat in at South Carolina and you basically lost an opportunity to go to the college football playoff and he's still John, but, like, sometimes that's just who a dude is, and, like, he's going to be him no matter whether it's up or down. And so whether we like to see that and we wish he would tone it down when it's – not necessarily. That's just him. And I thought he played awesome. I, you know, like I said, I think it was him and Aaron Beasley that really were the only ones that didn't come off. And that's that's pretty special. And, you know, he did a great job of being in coverage. And, you know, you might say, hey, I want him to turn around and make a play. But he made the play. I mean, he whether he's reading eyes or whether he's reading hands, that's a big receiver and a pretty good player for Virginia. He goes up, knocks it away. Um, you can't ask for anything better than that. He's in the hip pocket. He did it again later in the game. Um, so, so love to see that, um, on defense here, Omar Norman lot, his quickness on the inside, uh, as a Titans fan. And I know I can't wait to tell Kyler this, but as a Titans fan, one of my favorite players is Jarrell Casey. Uh, he's not there anymore, but he was kind of an undersized guy, but he's a perennial pro bowler, had kind of that same little awkward body that Omar Norman lot, but his hands and his quickness and his power are special. 
and that kind of shows you a little bit about this coaching staff. You know, whatever happened to Sean Terry? I don't know. I didn't ask. I don't care. But he was here. He was a pretty good player. Whether he wanted money and we didn't give it to him or whatever, he leaves. They let him walk. See ya. What do they do? They turn around and replace him with someone who is, at least from what I saw yesterday, is probably going to be a better player than DeJounte. Terry. DeJounte Terry's fine, but I don't. he's not going to be as quick and as strong and as explosive in that inside as Omar Norman Lott. And if that's where we are as a program where we can say, see you later because we're going to bring in somebody that's better and replace you, that's scary. That's scary for other teams. That That's awesome to see. So Tyler Barron was still doing his thing with that power extension on the inside, and he resets the line of scrimmage. And you don't think a guy that size who's moved inside can reset a line of scrimmage by three yards, but he does it. He had another play yesterday, just like we saw multiple times last year, where he basically makes the tackle because he takes his guard three yards in the backfield. The linebacker or the running back runs into that lineman, and then, you know, our linebackers are scraping over the top. I think it was Keenan Peely uh, who played a good game yesterday. I mean, I was hard on him coming in because some of the highlights I had watched from BYU were pretty brutal. He played he played a good game yesterday. and um, But anyways, Tyler Barron with that extent. And then let's talk about James Pierce. We have to talk about James Pierce. And I'm not even really going to talk about the the two sacks. I mean, beautiful sacks. He is he's so athletic, but he used good uh, uh, good pass rush. Whether it's you know step outside, scare the crap out of that tackle, thinking he's going to get beat around the edge, and step right back in, swim him, sack. And then he does the other where he does go outside. I thought he was also good against the run, and I wanted to watch. It was actually one of the better plays that Virginia had when they ran a um, play action. They had a deep shot on third down. It was like a deep post, and they completed it. And we almost got there. We ran a stunt, and all basically all of our defense line were right there in Tony Musket's lap. But I watched James Pierce on that. When he came up, he shot and extended and had showed good power with his narrow frame. And he's not a small guy, but I'm just saying he's not 275, 80 pounds. He shot those arms. He extended. He disengaged. And when he came around on that stunt – it looked like he was shot out of a can and a lot like some of the other guys. So the sacks are great, but seeing how well he played against on the run, which is important so that he doesn't just have to be a, a third down rush guy, um, gives those defensive coaches, hey, you know, we don't have to worry about him against the run. Um, it was cool to see, and it was so weird because Je- Joshua Joseph played a lot last year and was really good when he played. And we're kind of like, where's James Pierce? And then I saw a couple plays from James Pierce in the spring. I'm like, yo, like, does this guy even want to be here? Like, I don't get this. And then what, he comes out in the first game of the year and plays awesome. And I think that speaks to that speaks to just how, as fans, we hear about these recruits and we get so excited to see them. And everyone develops at a different speed. And so Joshua Joseph was ready last year and got to play and got to play in some meaningful games. And that was awesome. James Pierce wasn't. But we all saw yesterday that he was damn ready. I mean, Kyler, who, you know, you know, he was a three, he was a three-star, four-star, and he ended up being a really good player at Tennessee. He was starting left tackle, captain, offensive uh, lineman of the week multiple times. He didn't play until he was there for three years. I mean, he was in the program for three years and then came out was the best offensive lineman on the team. So it's give these ties time to develop. Just because you don't see them in year one or year two doesn't mean they're not going to be good in, in year three and year four, maybe even year five if they get redshirted. Which is kind of my overarching theme about a James Pierce who who looked unbelievable yesterday. Um, linebackers played awesome. They were swarming. I'd love to see Elijah Herring in there playing well. Um, like I've already talked about, Aaron Beasley was great. Keenan Peely played well. 
Uh, Aaron Carter got in there. It was funny. He looks great. He runs well. He did have a missed tackle, which is like, I don't see that happening much, but I loved how, I loved how he played. And so it was cool to see him in there after all the pub that he's gotten during, uh, you know, during fall camp or summer camp. Um, let me go through make sure I'm not missing out on anything on some of these notes. Um, Kind of just making sure, checking, talking. Oh, I was talking about Hobbs. I don't love the fifty-three on my on my man, but when I saw him in the game, I was like, "Who's this linebacker? Like, he looks like a he was moving so well and got a good thin body for a defensive lineman." I'm like, "Who is this linebacker?" So it was funny to see him in there, but he played strong. He played good size, very impressive. Like I said, as a true freshman. Um. Okay, good. So I've already talked about that. Um. To wrap it up on defense. I probably would have liked to seen, uh, you know, a, a pick here or there, maybe a fumble, and, um, but but I was so, I mean, when you get when you're holding the team, a power five team, to 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 seven rushing or to negative five rushing yards or negative six rushing yards, that is darn impressive. And when you're doing it with not 11, 12, 13, 14 guys, you got 20 deep, you know, in the secondary. You know, Danico Slaughter was starting, but then you see uh, Brandon Turnage coming in at the at the start position. You see uh, Will um, uh, Gabe Giudiali in there at corner. Uh, we see Warren Burrell in at corner. We even saw Will Brooks, thirty five, who's who was a walk on safety. And the guy was in the game when it was seven to zero. Now I don't know what happened. I don't know if Tank got a little nicked up and they just sent him in real quick if they felt like he deserved it. I know whenever I've been in practice, I thought he's practiced well, and I can tell that. Willie Martinez likes him. He's an older guy, been in the program, smart, in the right spot. So, I mean, he's playing when it's the game 7-0. to zero. It's not third quarter and the game's over and he's playing. I mean, he's in there during meaningful time, meaningful snaps. So, you have all those guys rotating in and playing and playing well. It only keeps the defense more fresh. It keeps more guys engaged. And um, it's only a positive. It's, it's, it's only truly a positive. So, uh, last thing, special teams. D. Williams is special. He's he's special. Um, I, I don't remember when it's a guy who touches it and you think that he legitimately has a chance to house call it every time he touches it. That's a huge weapon for us uh, in bigger games. I know he had the fumble. It's okay. It happens. Don't let it happen again. Uh, but the other thing is, too, he was also the gunner running down uh, and had a chance to pin them back, and he barely missed it. And I also love the little headsy play where they punted it. And he knew that he wasn't going to catch it, so he goes to the right and brings two or three guys with him. Now Virginia made a good play; they ended up downing it. Um, they ended up downing it in, you know, within the ten or whenever the fifteen. But I love seeing little headsy plays like that. Hey, if you're not going to catch it, get over here. Sometimes that's going to pay off, and that ball is going to go into the end zone for us. Um, great, great first game. Um, I loved it. It was, you know, I'm fine with some of the some of the mistakes. I, mean, I felt like we didn't have too many too many penalties. I thought the rest let the boys play, honestly, um, which 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 was cool and neat. Um, Austin P. You guys know what this is. This is a get, you know, this is a glorified scrimmage. Get into kneeling, let the stadium be rocking. Uh, get in, handle business. They're gonna pound the rock like we did. Um, it's gonna be even better pounding the rock against. Um, Austin P. than it was against Virginia. Uh, Heupel could score 100 if he wanted. He could run for 400 yards if he wanted. Uh, but this is going to be get in, get get some of the starters out. Let's get to really not even the rotation guys. Let's get to some third string guys pretty quick if we can in this game. Get some um, 
you know, get some good reps for those guys. So if they are needed, you know, hopefully we see Nico play a bunch in this game. Let Joey get in, start the game, get some good throws under his belt, maybe complete a couple deep shots, uh, and let's let's get ready for Florida. Uh, so no injuries, handle business, and uh, let's go from there. Anyways, I love you guys. Thank you all for listening, watching. Um, I tried to talk quick to cover as much ground, so this was – Really, the first time I've done this besides a couple of my bacon blitzes, and I even had some uh, rehearsals for those. But um, I'm going to watch this again, and uh, and I'll, uh, I'll I'll watch it and come back and try to be better the next time for next week before Kyler's back. And um, hope I covered enough. I just felt like I had a lot to say. So sorry for going long. Love y'all. Be good. Rate, review, subscribe. Go balls. Hey guys, it's Jack from Rocky Top Insider. Want to say thank you so much for watching and listening to Pancakes and Bacon today. And be sure to remember to like, rate, and subscribe on the Rocky Top Insider YouTube page or wherever you find your podcasts. And before we get out of here today, I want to toss it over to Kyler Kerbison himself, the pancake to Reed's Bacon, to give his take on Tennessee's win over Virginia. What's up, Vol Nation? Sorry, I can't be on the podcast right now. I know Reed is doing a fantastic job, so I'm not worried about that. Um, in the beautiful city of Porto, Portugal, as, as we speak. Uh, but I, literally, I had to react to this game. Um, I'm so excited for this year, for this team, for this offensive line. I mean, some of the holes that were created were absolutely massive. You could have fit a Mack truck through those things. That is why Jalen, Jabari, Dylan all had success on Saturday. Uh, and... I cannot not mention this, but Pancake of the Week goes to John Campbell. Oh, my goodness. Everyone saw it, retweeted it out. That is what finishing is all about. That is what the definition, if you look it up in the dictionary, John Campbell's face is going to be right there. So, love to see that as an offensive lineman. Um, we got to fix a couple mistakes, you know, a couple drop balls, a couple fumbles here and there. But... That happens game one. That, that That's part of the growing process. We're still scoring near for 50 points. Our defense is playing unbelievable. I mean, talk about putting in tough situations and stepping up. I love seeing some young guys, James Pierce getting some sacks in there. Man, am I excited. I cannot wait for this season um, and can't wait to be back. Um, I'll see you guys.